Hello, podcast world. It is me, Tom Runger, coming at you hot with our very first episode of Varsity Views. Varsity Views is the sports podcast where we take an overly critical and unnecessarily detailed deep dive into the world of sports films. We're going to give you some information you maybe didn't know. We're going to break down all the sports scenes. We're going to come with some hot takes, and we might just ruin a few of these films for you. So before we go any further, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Mr. Mike Gassett. How's it going, Mike? Hey, hey, hey. How we doing? I'm not doing too bad, and I am super excited for this first episode because we are going to be going over an absolute classic, the 2000 Disney hit, Remember the Titans. The Titans were greater even than the gods. We're going to change the way we run. They ruled their universe with absolute power. We're going to change the way we block. Well, that football field out there tonight, that's our universe. We're going to change the way we win. We don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are team. Possibly one of the best movies of all time, if not the best sports movie. That's a bold, bold claim coming off the top, and that's what we need. That's the clickbait we need to get this podcast off the ground. Um, without further ado, give us a quick plot overview of Remember the Titans for those two people out there who can't remember the, the film. Absolutely. Remember the Titans is about a high school football team forced to deal with school integration uh, as they come together as a team to change the views of not only themselves, uh, but the racist Virginian town in which they are all born and raised. Well said. Keyword that I noticed on the rewatch of this film was was racist there. Uh, for a Disney film, they really didn't hold too much back. Um, really dialed it up to 11 on this one. Which we will get into in detail as we as we progress here. But before we hit some of the some of the categories that we're going to talk about, overall thoughts as you as you watch this film what were, what were some of the things that popped out to you the uh the most recent time you you watched uh yeah i haven't seen this movie in a long time so re-watching it definitely um a few things stuck out to me a i forgot how much i really love this movie um i was not kidding i think it's definitely one of the top sports movies of all time it's probably in my top movies of all time um Definitely. I think the biggest thing for me, which I'm sure we'll get into later, uh, I forgot how absolutely beautiful the friendship of Gary Bertier and Julius is. Um, definitely some moments uh, very emotional where uh, I found myself fighting back a few tears. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I there were one or two of those moments for me as well. And and I would definitely say, yeah, it had been a little while since I'd seen this movie as well. And I think the first thing that popped out to me was probably how effective this film was at really straddling that line between being super uh, cheesy and super just corny and and being a, a real memorable and, and motivational film. It was Disney did an awesome job with this picture of of having, you know, an emotional, really heavy hitting film, but. Again, it didn't come off as as too cheesy or too corny or or too much of a quote unquote Disney film like like sometimes they can they can do. They did a good job of kind of mixing in a couple like hard hitting, more emotional scenes, but you know they always would toss in a little bit of a comedic element in there as well to kind of keep you on your toes and not kind of hit you over the top of the head with uh, the emotionalism and just make it kind of more of a cliched film. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Uh, overall, just a great watch. 
really enjoyed this film. And uh, without further ado, what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to break down the film. What we wanted to do was take a sports fan's perspective at some of these films and and evaluate them not just as a movie but more specifically as a sports movie and really talk about you know did the sports scenes hit how did this whole movie flow and were there certain things that we had some questions about and god forbid a few critiques on um so what do you think mikey should we hop into some of the categories here absolutely let's do it All right, so our first category we are going to discuss here is going to be the best quote or best scene from this film. Uh, This is the moment that really stuck out to us when you think of the movie. So, Mikey, what did you have for this? How many contenders did you have for best scene? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I went more from the best quote perspective. Um, Being the first time we're recording this podcast, definitely misread the category there. Uh, (laughs) So I'm sure we'll get into some of my favorite scenes as we go. Uh, but I'm going to go best quote route on this one. Let's do it. Um, in which case, uh, the first quote that I had comes between uh, Coach Yost and uh, Coach Boone when one of the early scenes when they're meeting together um, and Coach Yost says to Boone, I'm worried about my boys, to which Denzel replies, well, I ain't going to cook them and eat them. The best player will play. Color won't matter. Coach Yost then looks at him and says, from the looks of the situation here, I'd say that's all that does. Um, I, I really like this quote, and I think both of these actors are fantastic, and I think the delivery on it's amazing. Um, but it shows a good kind of setup for the rest of the movie of even though I feel like they don't come to the forefront of the people kind of dealing with the racial issues, this kind of shows that they both have a little bit of an ignorance about the other character. Um, you know, Coach Yost doesn't fully think that he needs Denzel and vice versa, and I think this kind of shows that, especially early on, that they are really at odds here and they don't see that together they're actually much better than they are individually. Yeah, I feel you on that one. And, and I, I will definitely second you on, on the performances of these respective actors in this film. It's not too often you can say somebody goes toe to toe with Denzel and, and lives to tell the tale, but I definitely think uh, Will Patton holds his own and he has a very subtle performance in this film, but very, very effective and, and you can see his character's internal struggle, you know, dealing with his some of his pre preconceptions, but still trying to do the right thing. So that's a good one. I'll, I'll give you that. For me, I had a couple. I had a couple uh, contenders here. The ones that everyone always always thinks of uh, the Battle of Gettysburg scene, and, and obviously Boone's quote there. Uh, that's one for the ages. Kind of kind of really gives you a lump in, in your stomach each time. So that one was up there. Uh, the scene where uh, Yost calls a timeout in, in one of the semifinal games, brings the team together and gives the whole make them remember the night they played the Titans speech. That came in a close second. But for my winner, I'm actually going off the map a little bit. I'm going with the scene where Coach Tyrell and Coach Yost are in the diner and uh, Coach Tyrell quits on Yost. Uh it's a very subtle scene. It's a very heartbreaking scene, but uh, Yo's performance a scene. <laughs> subtle, subtle in terms of. of <laughs> I'd say that's definitely one of the more over-the-top scenes of the entire film. Subtle in terms of the overall impact on the movie. Obviously, Tyrell's really over the top with with his just flaming racism throughout the film. But I loved Yost's performance and his expression in this film. It was pretty much like an absolute continue, 
continuation of uh, Will Patton's character in Armageddon, where he found out that his ex-wife essentially uh, didn't tell his daughter about him and the look of pure devastation on his face at that moment. And then he pretty much mirrors that exact same look and expression here as Coach Tyrell, one of his oldest, closest friends, tells him to just go go to hell and, and walks out on him. So definitely I love that scene. I love me some Will Patton. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty biased there, but that's the I, one I, I love that you bring up that scene from Armageddon. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's probably the only other movie I know Will Patton from other than random scenes. I feel like he's one of those perfect bad guys. But I think we can all agree, and this is not a hot take, that he was robbed at the Oscars and Best Supporting <laughs> Actor in Armageddon for his unbelievable performance as Chip. Look, I don't have the time. I'm not, <laughs> not going to scroll through his IMDb right now, but even if his only two acting credits were Armageddon and Remember the Titans, he would have lived a long and, and happy life. And, and am I making this most. up, or did he did he die recently? Or uh, No, I, I think I'm thinking really, of... <laughs> I really hope you're making that up. You're thinking <laughs> of... Um, Bill Paxton. Bill, Yeah, Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman, one of the Bills. Well, uh, wh- whoever may have died and... <laughs> May they rest in peace. Well, Mike, we successfully made it one half of a category before going off the rails here. So and let's try to let's try to reel back in. Family. <laughs> let's try to reel it in a little bit here. And again, one of the main things we want to do with this podcast is we want to really take a sports fan's critical eye of these movies. Okay. So the next category we're going to hit on is grading the sports scenes. Uh, now, Tom, before we get to the next category, uh, there's a couple other quotes that I think need to be mentioned in this. You know, we both talked about a few uh, more serious quotes. But there's some absolutely hilarious lines in this movie, um, one of which, especially rewatching it uh, for the first time in a while, that I thought was absolutely hysterical is when they first get on the bus and they're going to boot camp. Um, Reb starts singing to which uh, Julius turns to him and just says, yo, shut up. I don't want to see you smiling and shuffling and hear all your minstrel show singing on this bus. To which Gary then turns to him and says, you got that right. Julius then turns, giving him an absolutely death stare and just says, you can shut up too. Absolutely hilarious quote. I literally laughed out loud watching it. And it's just knowing where the friendship goes and later in the movie, it's absolutely amazing. I just found that incredible. Um, There's a couple other runner-ups that I'd like to bring up. Uh, when Gary and Julius are also talking um, kind of midway through boot camp to which uh, Gary says, man, that's the worst attitude I've ever heard. And Julius says, attitude is a reflection of leadership, Captain. Hearkening back to an earlier conversation they had when Gary says that he's the captain. Um, again, I just I really love their relationship in this. And I think there's a lot of very good quotes that kind of show their arc from kind of going from enemies into uh, unbelievably close friends. Yeah, definitely. That's a good quote. That's that's a good one. I, in my last rewatch, I definitely realized uh, that's a pretty, pretty terrible shirking of responsibility on uh, on Julius's part there. But uh, <laughs> still, still a good quote, nonetheless, and an awesome scene. And yeah, as you as you kind of evaluate the whole character arc of of those two as they evolve into friends, it definitely makes it special. OK, any other quotes to hit on before we move on to the next category? Uh, no, I think we're good. I mean, I. Look, at some point we have to address this. I don't know how how else to throw it out, but <laughs> I know I know exactly where you're going with it. I, I wanted to throw it in as a great quote, but I didn't I, know how to do it as, look, a, as a middle class white man. The the it's it's again the the racism in this film is interesting because it's 
it's oh boy it's not just over the top like dropping some n-words on people and and just coming at them that way it's it's really i don't even know the term to use for it but i mean the the hey coach coon line is just it's it's one that sticks with you and <laughs> for how uh, atrocious it is just just the fact i think it i think it comes up two or three times in the film and just it really it. it's the delivery of the line it's so over the top that guy's really trying to make the most of like the four minutes of screen time he's got um and you know for being a basically a hillbilly from virginia i'm gonna say and i don't condone this at all but relatively clever line from him to equate coach boone to coach coon i think that is uh probably way smarter than that actual man would have been able to perform in real life yeah, it's 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 an unfortunate layup in that situation for the for the racist uh, for the racist white father there. But, you know, that's uh, I mean, this is based off a real story. His name really was Coach Boone. So, you know, that's and how that life quote works. may come back to haunt him later in the film when it's going to be brought up as evidence in the inevitable <laughs> brick through the window case <laughs> where he will yet again and toss out his signature one line there. Oh, stay tuned for that, folks. I have a few uh, interesting tidbits in the real life versus movie real segment soon to come. So stick with us. All right. For our first well, and probable last <laughs> varsity. Videos. Yeah, well, we'll uh, unfortunately, we can't af- uh, afford a producer for this podcast. So we'll have to try to leave some of that on the cutting room floor ourselves. But Without further ado, let's get to this. This category is kind of the meat and potatoes of a lot of these podcasts, and this is going to be grading the sports scene. So again, we want to take a sports fan's critical eye and really dive into how do we think this film did as it relates to the parts uh, revolving around football. So I'm gonna have a lot of comments here. I've I've got I've got a few pretty serious beefs here. So I'm gonna turn. You first. Was there anything that stuck out to you, either on the positive or negative, with with the sports scenes in particular? I would say on the positive aspect, I think this movie did a pretty good job, at least comparatively to other sports movies overall. I thought it did a good job of kind of showing the over top intensity of a lot of high school sports, especially in some southern towns. On you know, football is obviously not only just a game; it's a way of life. Um, I mean, the quote that kind of really stuck out to me at one point is, you know, they're they're working like crazy and he's like I need water and you know coach Boone just says water makes you weak you know and, and a, a ridiculously over the top take from a coach um but you know I think we can all anyone who kind of played high school sports will kind of remember is like you know it really was kind of that way is like at the time of high school sports like that was all that mattered and, and you know it was a little bit over the top and in some cases kind of crazy and potentially dangerous for some of these athletes yeah, definitely. That that was one of my things I, I actually put that they did pretty well was was the football like drill scenes and, and sort of when they were doing up downs and things like that. Those were actually pretty good because you could feel the intensity there. You could you could tell they were working hard. Um, the thing that didn't work quite as well for me was the actual football action scenes, whether that was in practice or games. For the most part, they were good. And for the most part, most of these players, you could tell they were they were athletes to an extent. But to me, I noticed a lot of times when they were running and when they were making hits, I noticed two things. Number one, the players kind of slowed down right before contact. You could tell uh, they were they were kind of getting ready for it. And then the second thing, there's a lot of standing up tall in this. Now, I know you weren't much of a football player, but 
you know, one of the first things they teach you in football Harsh is call out on that one. <laughs> One of the, for those non-educated football fans out there, one of the first things they kind of teach you is get low, hit low, and and you know you want to you want to have a lower center of gravity. Look, there were a lot of hits, whether it was PD running the ball and just getting trucked in the backfield, um, a lot of standing up straight, and so that that kind of didn't stick well with me. But that's nowhere near some of my biggest beefs. So, what else stood out to you before I go on a quick rant here? If we're going to get into the biggest beefs, I, I mean, I got one scene in particular, um, which is going to be uh, a, a kind of a classic scene of the movie. And I think they kind of traded in some of the emotionalism and kind of comedic elements for lack of realism. And it's and it's sunshine, given the famous let them through comment. You know, um, at this point, you know, the, the game's not really going their way. Sunshine comes in. He, he tells the, uh, you know, the line to let let them through and let's see what happens here. Uh, to which he just drops a bomb. I don't even know if we see what happens. I'm just going to assume a touchdown pass. Uh, and the guy comes in to tackle him, to which Sunshine, you know, maybe a 140-pound long-haired white guy just lowers his shoulder, kind of going into a <laughs> wrestling suplex to just kind of, like, drop this guy, who then, I, do we see him get up? I'm not positive. Oh, uh, no, he, he gets carried off the field by two teammates, and he's he's, he's out for the season. Yeah, that sounds about right. But in real life, I mean, let's be honest, Sunshine is getting absolutely planted in the dirt, four feet under. I mean, he's not only out for the season, potentially, you know, he's not walking again. We might have an early Gary Bertier situation, spoiler alert. Um, you know, that, that that's just a classic scene where I think they tried to go a little bit more for the movie aspect, let, not as much for sports realism there. Okay, yeah, I, I definitely had that one written down as well. And again, to put it in context... Sunshine in his first play as the backup quarterback tells Lastic to let the guy through. But keep in mind, on the previous play, their starting quarterback had just had his wrist broken by that same player. So the the sheer audacity of then asking his lineman to not block the guy is ridiculous. And then secondly, after pulling off that move, like I said. If you actually watch that, he basically just goes low and kind of like the guy kind of flips over him. I don't see how that results in in the star nose tackle uh, being like injured for the rest of the game. It, it just didn't make sense. It was a rough scene. But but again, I, I get what they were trying to do there. It could have been a very sad early exit of sunshine from the movie. <laughs> uh, the, the, the one other big beef I have is the championship game, the way this game ended. Now, there were two very critical plays at the end of the game that pretty much made no sense. So play number one, Marshall's got the ball with the lead. And you can hear the commentators say in the background, all Marshall needs to do is run out the clock and they win the championship. So at that point, you're pretty much taking a knee. But Marshall runs some sort of handoff. The running back is is going down the field with the ball. And if you look closely, he's pretty much like running in place. You can tell he's not really moving, which I don't know if that was just like the actor doing a terrible job. But he's running, gets stripped, and the Titans recover the football, which, again, just terrible, terrible decision-making by the Marshall offense there. But then the Titans have the ball, and they have one play left to try to salvage their season. They have to go 75 yards. Marshall's defense here is is unforgivably bad. They they're somehow flummoxed by the fact that the Titans are going to try to go deep or try to run some play to score a touchdown when literally they have to score a touchdown this play. Uh the Titans run some sort of reverse 
Sunshine throws a few pancake blocks and and uh, Rev easily scores a touchdown. Like that defense is unforgivable. That should be the storyline after that championship game. Yeah, I got a couple issues with this as well. Y- yet again, I mean, Sunshine maybe weighing in at 140, 150 tops. A, the man should have been probably in a traumatic brain injury from the previous play we discussed. B, how, how the heck he goes on like an eight block run to just kind of make it like 80 yards down the field. Uh, you know, I, I, I just don't think so. I, I think he's out. He's out of that, that play a lot earlier than the movie makes it seem. Yeah, I agree. And and again, not to throw out too many spoilers, but that's not quite how it happened in real life, which we will get into later. Um, the last one I have, this is a quick throwaway, but the uh, the entrance dance of the Titans, uh, it's not necessarily directly uh, sports scene here, but any high school team that was rolling up to a football game doing that dance would would probably get laughed out of the stadium. Uh, it, it was stupid. It didn't make sense. But I mean, worst of all, they said that was how they were going to warm up. Like that, there was no uh, no stretching was occurring during that dance. Like it's just completely ineffectual at at, at the very least. So uh, definitely that scene kind of chapped my ass a little bit as well. Yeah, I had that on there as well. I didn't I didn't know if that was a hot take because I feel like that's kind of a famous scene of the movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're getting laughed. I mean, I know they did it kind of thinking like, oh, this is going to be fun and stuff. They're, they're getting laughed out of the stadium. All right. Next category here, Mikey, let's hop into suspended belief or WTF moments. So these are some of the scenes or some of the things that happen in this film that kind of questionable, maybe unrealistic and otherwise potentially impossible. Uh, what'd you have pop out to you for this category? Well, I think I think the first one also goes into potentially my one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. And it's uh, Gary Bertier basically walking up to the opposing coach and a seminal game. The game's not been going their way. Um, definitely been some questionable calls due to um, some of the higher ups trying to throw the game so that the Titans will lose and Coach Yost can take over the coaching head coaching job again. Um, but it's right as Yost makes a seminal move and kind of takes over, tells them, call the game fair, give the kids a chance. And Gary runs up to the opposing team's coach, looks him dead in the eyes, and just gives him an absolute death threat point, um, which then itself is pretty egregious of a high school student just basically threatening with physical <laughs> violence the opposing team's coach, um, but which is then followed by a montage scene of about seven to eight blatantly flagrant and illegal plays by the Titans that are then like pawned off as just like unbelievable sports moments. Um, when really, if there was ever a time for those refs to be blowing the whistle, it's like, where the hell are you on those plays? Yeah, I definitely had that written down as well. Definitely a ridiculous uh, montage there. So the Titans went from getting every penalty in the book called against them for for phantom for phantom penalties that didn't happen to suddenly the refs swallowing their whistles as the Titans are just delivering headshot after headshot. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the makeup call here and there, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, we might have kids really getting seriously injured out here. I think I saw a spear, yeah, you know, a spear or two, uh, maybe a suplex. Uh, you know, it got pretty dark there for a minute. Yeah, there were a few. There were definitely a few, a few shots to the head, a few late hits out of bounds. Uh, just, just overall, pretty dirty ball by the Titans. Um, you know, th- that was definitely a, a interesting moment there. Related to that, though, transitioning off of the uh, Vertier point to uh, the coach, 
another Bertier what the fuck moment. Uh, the Bertier point while he's in his car <laughs> following their semifinal victory, pointing at God knows who, and then inexplicably, I watched this scene about five times to try to see what what his thought process could have been, but he literally just looks away as he slams on the gas and no look drives his car down a crowded, what appeared to be main street. No idea what he was doing here. No idea who he was trying to communicate with or why he felt the need to slam on the gas. But obviously we know how this one ended for the old uh, GB and it, it wasn't too pretty. Well, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I have this a bit, a little bit later and um, you know, given the situation, I think that maybe worked out as well as Gary could have hoped. Uh, you know, he, like you said, this is a crowded, not only is this a main street, this is right after a, a Titans victory, a huge Titans victory. Those streets were slammed. You know, he, he points looking not only to the right, but probably a little bit behind his eyes are nowhere near the road. And he, he goes pedal to the metal. He, he completely slams on that gas, uh, how there's not seven or eight people right in front of him. You know, if Gary's not out for the season due to, uh, you know, paralysis as he is he's in jail for vehicular manslaughter no <laughs> doubt uh so you know you, you decide which one's better or worse but uh at least here he gets to go on to the olympics for a uh, shot put hey i'm i'm also you know i'm i'm always down for a good conspiracy theory all i'm saying is look we don't know where traitorous teammate ray was during that time so who is to say he wasn't behind the the wheel of that other vehicle um, that's that's all i'm gonna say there I'm gonna, good <laughs> I'm gonna point we never do sit. learn about who was behind the truck yeah um i had one other uh the the scene directly before the uh the gettysburg speech so boone wakes up the team at 3 a.m says we're going for a little run and by the time they get to to the cemetery or the battlefield, uh, the sun is starting to come up. So I'm no weatherman, but I'm saying they just had a, at least a three hour run through the woods there. Uh, that that seems a little bit unrealistic and extreme. And then obviously everyone's gassed after that run. But let's be honest, there's a zero percent chance that Lastic is alive after that. Wait, is Lastic Louie? Yeah. Uh, if you ever question Louis again, <laughs> Louis is possibly my favorite character in this movie. Uh, every every line he delivers is absolute gold. Um, again, you want to talk about quality filmography. The man goes from Boy Meets World to Remember the Titans. He may or may not have had several roles in between that. Um, all I'm saying is he was the absolute glue of this movie. Uh, he made that run, no problem. <laughs> like the man is pushing probably five bills. I'm I'm saying he's he's hospitalized <laughs> after that run. But he's, hey, okay. he's in a bed next to Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a fun fact: he later would star alongside Denzel yet again in Wait for It, the hit film John Q. That's right. Take that one home and stick it in your pocket. Yeah, because he was such a great actor, the man was just flooded with roles after this I'm, performance. I'm pretty sure his role in John Q was like obese, incompetent security guard. <laughs> All right, come on. You're, you're better than that. <laughs> All right, moving right along before we go off the rails too much. Let's skip right ahead. Uh, we're going to start to give out some uh, superlatives. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the top people in, in different categories for this film. First and foremost... 
I want to talk about the man of the match. So the man of the match here, we're looking for the top in-game performance. I'm going to let you go first. You got to go Louie off of my previous little rant there. Uh, Just an unbelievable character in the movie. Uh, But more importantly, without Louie, this movie doesn't happen. He is the Caucasian character that kind of never really saw the other uh, players as race. He's the one who's kind of the catalyst for change during the boot camp. Um, you know, if, if we recall the scene, he sits down with some of the African-American players and they say, what are you doing? He just says, eating lunch. Julius responds, go eat with your people. And he just says, I don't have any people. I, I literally think deep down, Louis sees no difference between the characters, which is fantastic. And I don't know if that team ever fully comes together without him being the first one to kind of bridge that gap. All right. Uh, it's hard to argue with you too much on that one. Uh, definitely in terms of bringing the bringing the team together, he played a massive role. I was going to say he wasn't the the most effective player on the team or maybe the most important, but you kind of convinced me there. You kind of convinced me because even though he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the star running back or anything like that, I do agree that he, you know, he had a pretty big role in, in the whole team sort of operating uh, as a single unit. So I'll give you some yeah, credit. Right. All right, my man of the match, speaking of, you know, bridging the gap, <laughs> my man of the match is Sunshine. Now, let me let me let me lay out my case for for his greatness within this film. Number 1, he he's in one of the toughest positions you can be in on a football team, which is the backup QB when the starter goes down. So Rev Rev gets injured, I think in the second or third game. And uh, Sunshine to Matt Saracen. He stepped up. <laughs> Look, man, well, well, Saracen will get his day in court. We'll we'll take care of that man soon enough. But Sunshine steps right in for an injured Rev, uh, leads the team to an undefeated season. Uh, in the championship game, after inexplicably getting put in on defense after not playing a single down of defense, he makes a crucial interception in the championship game. Uh, as we talked about on the last play of the game, he delivers. I think he blocked every player on uh, on the Marshall team on, on the way to that game-winning touchdown. And last but not least, even with all those accomplishments on the football field, he still finds time to practice yoga on the quad before school. So he's he's an all-around uh, rounded guy, Sunshine is. And he is my Let's man of the match. Forget, just, a, just a coxmith with the ladies as well. Uh, I don't know if we need to add the ladies qualifier on there. I'd say he's just a well, coxmith. Well, he's a lover of all, it might he's, seem. He's uh, a, but, you know, to pull the boldness of just doing yoga out in the middle of the quad and have seven to eight women just fawning over you from the window, I'm going to say that alone is probably worth being a man of the match. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good move. And also, speaking of, an incredible manipulator as well. I caught this in my rewatch. He goes up to Bertier after kissing him on the mouth he doesn't go up to apologize or or sort of smooth things over until they get back from camp and Bertier is in front of his mother. Now, great move, Sunshine. That's obviously going to lead to some super awkward questions from Bertier's mom. Hey, what was that kid talking about? What was he apologizing for? Oh, no big deal, Mom. He just kind of made out with me in the locker room. So, again, Sunshine you know anything is- about Gary Bertier's mother, it's that she is very accepting of all cultures. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Bertier's mom had to had to do a couple extra rosaries that that weekend in uh, in church. But my man of the match is Sunshine. Can't go wrong with uh, with Fat Louie either. <laughs> how, how absolutely dare you! All right, let's take it. We, we've we've 
we've gone with the best. Now let's dive in with the worst. The Daily Dud, as in the worst in-game performance from this film. Who'd you have? I got two people down for this one. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about assistant coach Tyrell. I mean, I don't think we really need to delve too much more into that. Uh, man, Look, he, just was, he, was, unbelievably he was an X's and O's guy. Over the top racist. <laughs> uh, um, you know, three minutes into the film as Gary Ray and Allen literally just sprint off the field during a practice to presumably go get in a fight at the general store due to rioting. Uh, his, his response as a coach is... Um, Son, your heart's in the right place, uh, but you know better to embarrass the coach like that. Uh, basically saying, like, yeah, you made the right call to go try to just fight those African-American peaceful protesters, but, like, you're embarrassing the team. Uh, again, just over-the-top racist. Uh, like I said, I'm fairly certain he's the one who threw that brick through Coach uh, Boone's uh, window by whoa, giving away whoa, his calling card. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think – I think it was it was Fred's dad who – threw the brick and and was known for the uh uh or no not fred's dad his name was fred it was alan's dad uh who was famous for the the coach coon calls i don't know i could see Ty. i'm gonna be I'm thinking, honest i may have thought both of those were the same character I, they're both older fat white racists <laughs> no i'm thinking the brick job was a two-man job i i, I think uh well, there's uh, multiple at, people involved the question is who's the ringleader <laughs> yeah Either way, okay, Tyrell, definitely a dud. Uh, who Who is your other contender? Uh, but, but my bigger dud is is Petey, a.k.a. Turk from Scrubs. Um, rewatching this movie, I forgot how absolutely annoying he is. Um, you know, the absolutely bold claim in the beginning of the film of that he thinks he's going to get at least 1,000 rushing yards. Uh, you know, I've never seen such an overly inflated ego and false sense of confidence from a man who will then later just walk off the field after getting told, uh, yelled at like once by coach Yost. Um, you know, he, he does nothing but whine the entire movie. Um, yeah, I, I just found him incredibly annoying in this movie and, uh, quite, quite disappointing from someone who is in one of my favorite shows of scrubs. Also blatantly homophobic against sunshine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, this, to summarize Petey's, uh, in-game performance, the the most climactic musical score in the film is reserved for not the not the game winning touchdown, but the play before where Peter recovers the fumble and then manages to hold on to the ball. Like there's a whole little 10 second scene there where the team is scrambling around him seeing did Petey in fact hold on to the football for one play? Like that was some miracle that he actually recovered a football and then didn't instantly lose it again. So uh, not a bad call for the daily dud, but I'm not taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm going with our guy, Alan, Mr. Ryan Gosson himself. Um, look, he would go on to much bigger and better things, which is actually surprising to me after seeing him in this film. Uh, let- let's go through his statute here. First of all, after literally one play in the first game of the season, he gets completely burned, and then in the huddle, he's he's totally gassed. He can't even talk. It's literally the opening play of the season, and he's like, looks like he just ran three miles. The the following play, he gets easily scored on. Then when he gets benched, the next series, he for some reason is like completely flabbergasted. Like, how am I getting taken out after he was willing to admit he literally couldn't stick with uh, his man? So just terrible. Five hundred pound Louis on about mile two point eight <laughs> of uh. 
40 mile run to Gettysburg. <laughs> exactly. Now, again, he, the only reason he ever gets back in, in the game is, as you said, our, our boy Petey walking out on the team. So then that forces Allen back in for the state championship. Again, he's costing his team the state championship once again, you know, classic Allen fashion, getting, getting burned left and right. Uh, his only saving grace or character development, if, if you will, is the fact that at least in the championship game, he had the self-awareness to bench himself uh, and just give his spot to PD just because at least at that point he realized he was a trash player. Um, <laughs> overall, just just absolutely terrible. It, it makes no sense to me that, as his dad said, he got five-time district player of the week. I don't, I don't know how that's possible uh, unless his dad you know, is a contributing sponsor to the newspaper. But my, my daily dud is Allen easily. Just terrible. It's, it's a great call. Um, I had him a little bit later in some like least valuable player. Um, I had Alan. Um, I'd also like to bring one of my subtly favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, right after the fight breaks out during training camp, uh, Alan very casually walks in, you know, acts like couldn't have a care in the world, just yells fight, which in itself is fine. And then it kind of does a the camera pans back to a whole view of the, the this fight breaking down. In the, the the greatest part in in the lower left hand corner, you just see Alan just get pulled off camera and just absolutely pummeled, like literally just pulled off. As in, like the camera couldn't even show the violence that was happening to this man, and he's just <laughs> absolutely wailed on for the entirety of the what we see in the fight. So not only does he call the fight, but then just gets absolutely wailed on. Um, it was a great scene, uh, a fantastic rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his arms are also frighteningly uh, skinny in this film. Uh, but obviously, you know, as as we know in Crazy Stupid Love, he he eventually hit puberty and uh, went on and filled out that body of his a little bit. And there's Tom's man crush for the episode. <laughs> Look, man, hey, as as Emma Mine Stone will be said, a Louis. <laughs> oh, dude. as as Emma Stone said, it still looks like he was photoshopped. Uh, in a completely overrated and stupid line. Okay, moving and right along. <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Let's hit the sixth man award. Uh, this is the category for someone who came in real hot, uh, maybe didn't have a ton of camera time, but made the most of it. Uh, a non-main character, someone who maybe came along later in the film and and had a lasting impact. Who who who'd you take for the sixth man award? In my opinion, there's there's only one person, and it's uh, Hayden Pantieri and uh, her performance. Um, I thought I forgot how funny she is in this. I think she steals every single scene that she's in. Um, you know, I think she has a lot of scenes with Denzel, and to be ten years old when she filmed this and go toe to toe with an actor like Denzel, and not only kind of maintain, but I think she also kind of wins some of those scenes. Were unbelievable. Uh, there's a scene where they're watching game tapes when she goes over to the Boone's house. Um, and it's just absolutely hysterical of her just kind of taking Denzel to school on what they need to work on for that upcoming game. And the mom comes in. She's like, don't you want to play dolls with, uh, I forget the other girl's name, with Cheryl? Or no, Cheryl's Hayden. No, Dan I think here. it's yeah. Cheryl. That's a good call. Oh, yeah, right. you're right. Uh, but either way, she's like, don't you want to play Boone's dolls? Kid. <laughs> yeah and she just uh and then coach coach boone just turns like yeah yeah don't you want to play dolls tired of getting put through the ringer by this 10 year old during game tapes and she just gives an unbelievable face of like are you kidding me old man like you need me and she's just absolutely hysterical the entire movie um i, I forgot how great she was in this role yeah that's a good call cheryl's cheryl's great in this film she has a she has a lot of good uh one-liners some good zingers uh my sixth man award 
I'm going with the uncredited white high school guy who, who I, gets I in the sadly fight with had Pete. this as well. Yeah, this guy's great. First of all, he 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 looks like a troll. Um, so somehow the fact that he's dating like a somewhat good-looking girl is is pretty un. Oh yeah, she was a, she was a straight eight, no doubt. Yeah, so uh, this guy's just like your definition of like a high school troll, but uh, throws some salt at Petey, incites a huge brawl in the uh, in the corridor, and then of course after after Bertier and Julius uh, break up the fight, he he drops the. Uh, Looks like he went to the zoo and made some new friends, Bertier line, which is just, just <laughs> highly cold blooded. It's cold blooded. It's it's a great line, but also it, it what makes it better is the fact that he's kind of like guffawing throughout the whole thing. Like you know, again, the fact that this guy is supposedly dating that that you know seven is is just unrealistic. In my uh, notes for this character, I just had so uh, delivers lines monotone, covered in acne. Fat. <laughs> that, those, so, that was the breakdown on that character that i had what are you are you describing uh are you describing that guy or, or louis <laughs> how dare you <laughs> all right yep, I'll those walk some, off this podcast <laughs> uh those are those are some good sixth man awards uh here's one of my favorite categories we're gonna hop right into sequel prequel or spinoff potential so what we're looking for here is Let's say we were trying to milk the Titans franchise for all it's worth. What would be what would you want to see as either a prequel, sequel, or potential spin-off based on uh, what happened in this film? Now, I don't know if this movie necessarily warrants itself to any of these, but it, but if there's anything in the in the cards for me, I think it's uh seeing Gary's run to the Special Olympics gold in the shot put uh in that kind of ending epilogue, you know, Cheryl kind of says that he ends up winning a gold medal in shot put uh, coached by Coach Yost. So we'd get to kind of keep those uh, key characters from the franchise in the mix. Um, I think that would be kind of interesting to see his kind of struggle to get over his, you know, recent injury and disability uh, to go on to deliver, uh, you know, to win the Olympic gold medal. In which case, we also already know how that story kind of ends, unfortunately. And I think, you know, it could be a pretty emotional comeback story. It's not a bad call. That's not a bad call. Um, yeah, this this movie's pretty good as a self-contained entity, so it was kind of tough for me to think of some options here. Uh, my runner-up, I had uh, Elastic Does College. Um, you Love know, it. we we had a we had a whole big hullabaloo about the fact that this guy was able to maintain a C plus average and and get eligible for college. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him just blow it all in his first semester, partying hard, joining a fraternity, uh, man's getting just, straight A's and going on to run Microsoft. Yeah. Either way. I think, I think, I think there's some potential there, but what I really want to see is I want to see the HBO doc going back and, uh, looking at the real life Titans, uh, and kind of just look, it's time to address the elephant in the room here. We're going to say that this was this whole movie is, you know, this great Cinderella story, this town coming together. There's something we're ignoring here. This team was basically the super team before super teams were a thing. Now, in the movie, they put together two high schools to form T.C. Williams in real life. And this is getting ahead of myself in real life. They actually put together three high schools and combined them into one. Look, that's all well and good that you overcame racism and segregation and this, that, or the other. But if you're taking three high schools and combining them into one, 
you're going to have a pretty nice talent pool there. And maybe, God forbid, it might be a little bit unfair for some of the other teams you're competing against. So I want to see the HBO doc that goes after the Titans, interviews other teams in the conference and coaches, and uh, just kind of blows up their scene a little bit. And that's the absolute cynic in me, but uh, that's what I'm going for. that true? Uh, that's actually true. Three high schools came together to form uh, what is known as T.C. Williams. Yeah, that's one of the numbers like four other teams they had to play. (laughs) I don't know how it worked, man. All I know is they created a freaking super team. And uh, I'll get into a little bit more about how their season actually went, but it's a little bit upsetting. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. Before we hop into a few of the final awards, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors yet again. All right, we've got a few categories left to go here. Uh, we're going to hit on the MVP and LVP of the movie. These are our winners and losers from this film. Obviously, we'll start with LVP first. Uh, who'd you have here, Mikey? Uh, I had two here. Uh, one is the entire state of Virginia. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the movie is really, you know, kind of a, a rough look for Virginia. Uh, takes kind of this high school team to pull them out of some unbelievably racist kind of thoughts and beliefs. Um, end of the film, like it seems like it kind of turns around, but that's mostly just because of the team's winning. Uh, overall, not a good look. Um, and then we kind of already talked about this, but I'm going to just throw Ryan Gosling in the mix. Um, you know, really just a poor performance. Basically, the best thing he does in the entire movie is take himself out of the game. Um, you know, we, we went into that already, but th- those were the two that I had for this. I went with Bertier's girlfriend here. Um, she's a buzzkill the whole movie. She's she's just flagrantly racist. Uh, ends up dumping Gary for for hanging out with with his black teammates. Uh, you know, later on when she starts to come around, she tells Gary it's gonna take her a while. Uh, take, I mean, what like take her like just s- slowly come out of her racist cocoon. Like what's happening there? Uh, but most of all. My biggest beef, when she finally comes around, gets the stones to apologize to Julius, when does she choose to do it? Oh, that's right. Uh, During the state championship game, literally as he's putting his helmet on to head onto the field, she she just decides, oh, this is a good time for me to grab this guy and and have this emotional conversation with him as he's as he's trying to go out there and win uh, the high school state championship. So. Just a that's, terrible. That's something I recognize too. Uh, you know, the, the sad part about that they don't show it, but uh, the Titans end up getting the delay of game call. And, uh, <laughs> in real life, they lose that because Ju- uh, Julia's nowhere to be found. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a rough rough performance from her. Um, on MVP, I think we agreed on this one, so we'll just talk about it together a little bit. Uh, the soundtrack here. Um, Amazing soundtrack. Now, both the film score and the actual soundtrack where they, you know, take some 70s classics, both of them are great. Uh, The soundtrack has definitely lived on, you know, played in high school locker rooms, played. I think Obama played it during like his acceptance speech. And, you know, any high school or college football game you're going to go to, you'll, you'll probably hear some Titans playing on the loudspeakers at some point. So MVP, I'm giving it to the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, composer, uh, Trevor Rabin, Rabin, not entirely sure how to pronounce it. Shout um, out, Trevor. That was definitely something that rewatching this movie, I forgot of how good it is. You know, even in like the first scene, like it's it's really good musical score. Um, and I found it 
you know, there's definitely a few scenes where that musical score really kind of takes it to the next level um, and really kind of like pumps up that emotional hit that the scene itself is good, but then the musical score kind of takes it to that next level. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely a great film score. Um, my runner up for MVP was Yost, but we gave him some props props before and and uh yeah he did a great job as well um let's move right along we're gonna go to uh an amazing category this category is real versus real as in real life what happened versus the movie real what happened i've got some awesome facts here i'll spit them your way feel free to throw in some color commentary if any of these tickle your fancy number one the brick scene uh, this oh, yeah. happened in real life, save for one important detail. It was not a brick that was thrown through Boone's window. It was a used toilet <laughs> that somebody heaved through the coach's window. Apparently, uh, the filmmakers thought that it would be inappropriate or kind of bring some humor to what was a serious situation. But, I mean, I'm kind of impressed if someone chucked a toilet through a man's window, but... That's yeah, I'm gonna say that changes the entire scene for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, at that point, you know, I mean, still incredibly racist, but like you said, slightly impressive. You know how heavy a toilet is to actually be able to launch that through a window while spotting the favorite, yo, Coach Coon. Uh, pretty, pretty incredible, um, especially if you notice uh, uh, Alan's dad in the uh, seminal bar scene. Uh, the, the man's not in the best shape. Um I'm going to call shenanigans if he was able to do that. I'm thinking this is probably a four or five guy job. Well, speaking of which, let's get right into fact number two here. This one's a little bit devastating. Ray Buds, that's his, uh, that's Gary's racist buddy uh, who gets kicked off the team. Alan Bosley, Fred Bosley, and Coach Terrell are just some of the many fictional characters created for the film to make it more conflicting and dramatic. That's right, Mike. None of those characters existed in real life, but they are mere figments of the director's imagination. I got nothing but, on that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. My hope is that they were actually I'm going to say guys. a good call. I'm yeah, going to say yeah. a good call on the director part. I think it really uh, added to the conflict. I think, you know, you got you got to take some liberties with it, and I, I think that's a good addition. I think it really kind of showed the divide between the two, and Without Ray, I don't think Gary's transition to being good friends with Julius is as powerful. I think you had to show not only that he kind of got over his racist ways, but I think you got to show that he also was willing to kind of turn his back on someone that he knew his entire life because he knew that deep down it wasn't a good situation, you know, and that 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 wasn't the way he wanted to be anymore. So I think you get a lot more of an emotional punch, uh, you know, adding that character in. Yeah, and I mean, my thought is there probably were guys like this uh, on the real team, but obviously maybe they just didn't want to, you know, credit them or or whatnot. So while while these characters might be made up, they might be based off real people or or kind of like a combination. Um, yeah, it was a Virginia football team. I got a feeling there was probably a couple of racist players on the team we could have drawn from. Yeah. Um, next next fact here. Uh, the Bertier car accident. So the accident really did happen. However, it wasn't before the championship game. So in real life, uh, Bertier played in all the games, including the championship, and the car crash actually happened after the season. So definitely 
a pretty big difference uh, from from what we saw in the movie. I I, I get why they made that change in, in the movie. It kind of added an extra element to it, but uh, not what really happened. Yeah, I support that change. I think it's a good call. Yeah, two other quick ones. The championship game. So T.C. Williams did actually win the high school state championship. However, it was not a close come-from-behind victory as depicted in the film. They actually won the game 27 to nothing and held their opponent uh, to negative rushing yardage in the game. So obviously that wouldn't be quite as exciting in in the film, but uh, as we just talked about, the Titans were really just a powerhouse team and and they kind of walked their way to the championship. Last but not least, this might be the most important of them all, the Sunshine Bertier kiss. In the film, Sunshine kisses Bertier on the lips in real life. Uh, that didn't happen according to the team. Um, so we're going to get into this in our next category, which is, uh, which is the post game presser. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about the sunshine incident, all those ramifications. Let's just dive right into it. I guess while we're here, post game presser and hot takes. So this is where we're going to kind of summarize the film. We're going to, uh, go over some potential questions we have. Some of them may be answerable. Some of them, maybe not. Uh, but we're going to throw some questions out there, some hypotheticals and also some hot takes. So I've got a few here. Um, we're just talking about it. Here's my first one. Was sunshine gay? Um, I think like we're kind of made to believe he was, but then we don't know exactly if he was just like messing with people or what was going on. I'm, I'm not sure if, we're meant to believe he was gay or not. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I always got the vibe that no, he was not. Um, or I mean, a, I don't think it fully matters. Like, you know, it doesn't really affect the character and all. Um, but I'm gonna, I, I always got the vibe that it was, you know, pretty much as soon as he walks on the field, he's got the long hair and he's immediately called out for it. And I saw it as more of, he had that attitude of like, look, I got two options here. I can either, get offended i can kind of fight this in which case more often than not people are just going to kind of they're like oh this is getting to him i'm going to kind of feed into it more or i can kind of just own it take away all that kind of power that they might have and just kind of be like hey yeah you want to call me like gay kind of make fun of me for anything like that like i'm just going to own it like i'm going to show that it doesn't affect me whatsoever and you can see that i mean that's a good move it ends up turning around and if anything it just makes gary way more uncomfortable and you know makes him you know, kind of look bad and it really kind of helps Sunshine win over a team that's already been practicing together, going on several 20 mile hikes to Gettysburg together, you know, and like Sunshine comes in and is able to win them over almost immediately because he kind of just owns it, takes over, you know, shows that confidence. So I, I think end of the day, it's one of those, it doesn't really matter if he is or not. He, he kind of used it to his advantage. He kind of took something people were trying to make fun of him for, kind of make him feel bad about and kind of use that to win over the team. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I got the impression he was kind of kind of seemed to be messing with everyone throughout throughout the film and just rolling with the punches, if you will. Um, what hot takes you got? What questions do you have coming away from this film? Well, as far as potential hot takes go, yeah, I got to go. I got to go to the end scene. Gary's funeral. Um, you know, Uh-oh. they're all sitting around. It's a very, very emotional scene. Right. <laughs> to, to which case, Julius, who is aged up by basically just giving him a little bit of an afro and a porno stash. Uh, then just starts singing, na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye. 
I don't know. Is that inc- <laughs> is that is that emotional? Or is it incredibly inappropriate to sing at a funeral of your friend? You know, I mean, that song is not about death and dying, but like, I'm I'm gonna say that's a little bit of an awkward song to just start singing that's not planned at a funeral. Yeah, I don't know if it was planned. It was it was uh, to me, I think it was completely appropriate. It was you know the only funeral song that even compares in beauty is uh, Will Ferrell's rendition in uh, old school at blues funeral. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think any film can be a funeral appropriate song. If you sing it in the correct mournful uh, tone that, that Julius laid down there um, <laughs> to, to me, what was the most inappropriate thing at that funeral was the Titans as they're leaving uh, the funeral, giving a uh, Bertier one final insult of giving him the very same point that he was giving leading to his impending paralysis in the car accident. I just thought that was very unbecoming uh, of the Titans team there. Fair enough. Uh, I I have one other questionable. um, You know, I feel like Denzel, Denzel does an amazing job in this movie as far as acting goes. I I don't know if I think uh, Coach Boone is really all that great of a coach. And I'm going to bring this back to one one moment here. Um, You know, going into... It may have been the championship. I, I forget. But, you know, they're, they're down a little bit at half. And, and he gives possibly the single worst sports speech that I've ever heard in my life. Uh, his main point is just win or lose, we're proud. You're trying your best out there. Anyone can see that. I mean, I've, I've never seen a, a movie coach just give up on a team as much as, as he kind of shows here. He's basically saying, like, hey, you're trying. You're getting your ass kicked. Like, good enough. It, it, I thought it was a little bit off character, and I just I, I I don't know if he's that good of a coach. That's all I'm saying. All right. I actually had this exact same hot take, and that moment didn't even make my top five list. Here Here's my case against Boone. Look, nobody likes someone who goes against Denzel, but here it is. I'm coming for it. Number not, one. Not against Denzel. It's against Boone. Okay. 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 Interesting distinction, but here we go. Number one, he had a self-admitted, very limited playbook. Uh, he had like six plays he ran and just threw out some one-liner like they always work, like like Novocaine or some crap like that. Limited playbook. Uh, number two, he didn't know how to get through to Petey. He didn't know how to properly utilize him. Look, Nobody say what you will. <laughs> say what you will about Petey, but he was a very serviceable linebacker once Yost picked him up and started coddling him like the little baby back bitch he was. So until he walked off the field when getting yelled at once. How dare you? All right, all I'm saying is if you're a good coach, you got to be able to connect with your players and Boone failed. Uh, number three, the, 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 the scene where he got the tendencies from the other coach, he, that was kind of like a throwaway, but I mean, that had to take this math, uh, teacher, like tens, if not hundreds of hours to compile all this data and watch all this film for him. Uh, what the hell? It's like, okay, the kids need an education. Why don't you let the math teacher be the math teacher and you do your own shit getting the tendencies of every coach you might play from here until the state championship. That's bullshit. If, Number that, four. if that teacher oh, had put ahead. in the time and effort, then Louie may not have gotten that C average. So <laughs> I support everything about that scene. Who's to say who's to say that the teacher couldn't have been tutoring Louie if uh, he wasn't fucking being Boone's bitch boy for the entire season? Number four, he lied directly to Sunshine, telling him he had 12 brothers and sisters, which was completely unnecessary. I feel like eight is a perfectly strong number. Second thing, and while we're talking as the about the assistant that scene, coach said, 12 is better. Okay. Second thing, 
it makes no no sense whatsoever. Boone said he's the youngest of the 12, and they all looked up to him. So if Boone is 10, that means his oldest sibling has to be like in their mid-20s. What what 25-year-old is turning to a 10-year-old and asking for advice or to lead the family? Just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Let me continue. I'm on a roll. Uh, he forces Bertier to be the one to cut Ray from the team. So Boone plays like he's this huge hard ass. But then once Bertier wants to make a change, uh, suddenly Boone is fine with taking a back seat and says, no, you know what, Gary, you cut your lifelong friend from the team. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and again, if we're going to the championship game, I had the same point as you turn soft at halftime. But also when Yost finally determines, uh, Hey, Boone, I need some help um, getting killed out there, which again is ridiculous because the score is 7 nothing. Like, Yost is doing a perfectly fine job. They scored one touchdown. But anyways, his major adjustment to make is he just takes a bunch of guys that have absolutely no experience playing defense and puts them on defense, including his starting quarterback. So he just <laughs> throws sunshine out on defense after not playing a single snap all season in the defensive team. It's ridiculous. There's no way that should have worked. Uh, what's my very last point? I gotta I stop you. When did no. sunshine play defense? Didn't you take okay. Katie and put him on defense? No, in the championship game to start halftime, Boone picks like four players that are all going to play both ways. Now, one of them being sunshine. So essentially he takes his quarterback who I don't even know if there was a third stringer on their roster and puts him in harm's way by having him play offense and defense in the championship game, which is just absurd overall. Uh, I'm, I'm saying Boone was a very overrated head coach. There was one other thing where, like, in the championship game, it's it's like kind of a throwaway line. It's hard to hear, but the score is seven to nothing. Oh yeah, here it is. The score is seven to nothing early in the championship game, and Boone is on the sideline and turns to a player and asks him, "What do you think? Do you think we have a chance?" He he kind of says it uh, softly so you don't hear, but like, what the hell are you talking about, Boone? You you're you're giving up on your team after one score in the championship game? Just look. Great, great guy. Great performance by Denzel. If we really dive into Boone's performance as a head coach, though, I think there's a lot lacking there. That's all I'm saying. I don't disagree with you. You know, I I, I think Denzel crushed it. Um, Yeah, I think I think as soon as things got tough for Boone, he immediately kind of phoned it in, kind of uh, threw a little hissy fit. It was like, hey, you tried whatever. Like, I don't care anymore. Um, That's why I think it comes down to, you know, the microcosm of the movie is. You know, Boone and Yost had their problems, but together they were an unbelievable coaching team, especially if they're literally just stealing players from offense to defense constantly throughout the performance. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other unanswerable questions? Any other hot takes before we, we wrap this bad boy up? Well, be, being that this is our first episode, it might be a little premature to do this, but, uh, you know, it, is this on your Mount Rushmore of, of sports movies all time? All right, this is a tough one. Where, where does this where does this fall for you? I can't name four ahead of it, but I I just have to say no without fully thinking it through. All right, off the top of your head, what what are you throwing on there? This is episode one. All, we'll we'll adjust as we go through. Where where are you at right now? First four you can think of. All right, so uh, Caddyshack two, um, <laughs> Airbud seventh inning fetch. No, um, about time you made a smart take. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Here's the thing. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna want to kill me here. 
I think I think the more relevant conversation is where this falls in the in the football uh, top football films. Now, again, it's easy to throw this in there and say this has got to be the top one. But, you know, for me, Rudy has to be in the mix. Friday Night Lights has to be in the mix. Uh, Any given Sunday has to be in the mix for me. That movie does it for me. You know, I think probably any given Sunday could be potentially in there. Um, I think there's some questionable editing and directorial directorial uh, decisions in that movie that kind of takes it takes it out. It's still a great movie, uh, but I don't know if I'd say better overall movie than Remember the Titans. All right, let me. Uh, that, that's fine. Let, let, let me ask you, where does Little Giants rank on the list? No, for I'm I'm out on Little Giants. Um, okay. I don't know, man. I think I think okay. So first of all, just just football films. I I almost might have to put Rudy ahead. I I know that's not a that's not a popular take, or most people would probably have this ahead of Rudy. I almost might put Friday Night Lights ahead of this. I think the show Friday Night Lights kind of ruined the movie for me, as I enjoyed the show so much. It kind of made me think less of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I could appreciate that. I don't know. I, I'd say we have to revisit this question. Uh, after after plugging through a season and really really thinking of it, but I, it's it's in contention. It, it's got to be in the running. Um, hugely important film, hugely impactful film. Uh, you know, emotional, uh, great performances all around. Minus Gosling. Yeah, I don't know. Skyrockets Louis' I career mean, into potential Oscar winner. Uh, the guy. First of all, I mean, th- this is a not hot take. There's no way that that actor's still with us. <laughs> i mean God. um if if not we definitely would have seen him in the in memoriam at every oscar every year since since that passing so he's absolutely still with us actually no actually he might still be with us because um i think he played um at, he was in the film click he played adam sandler's stunt double when he uh when he became morbidly obese i mean hit after hit <laughs> um, I'm currently looking up the IMDb of this of this man. <laughs> That's fine. While you do that, while you do that, while while we're talking about careers, I will throw out one other. Um, obviously, from this film, you know, I'd like to say to- Louis is in the top <laughs> top ten on IMDb's. So, boom. Oh, also looks like he's lost quite a bit of weight, probably okay. from that run he just recently finished. Uh, yeah, he's no longer interesting to me. Um, uh, he is in. Several films lately, most recently uh, in 2019, Motherless Brooklyn. Never seen it. I'm going to assume incredible. All right. When we hire a producer, we'll we'll add in a cricket sound effect there. <laughs> uh, last last while we're talking about the cast, last tidbit. This took me like very much longer than it should have to notice. Uh, Bertier. Do you know what other, without looking it up, what other things uh, Ryan Hurst, the character that played Gary Bertier, starred in? No, no, honestly, I was thinking about that throughout the movie. Is a lot of those high school athletes, I don't know if I've seen them in like anything else. I feel like I see Julius every now and then, and I'm always like, oh, there's Julius from Remember the Titans. Um, So I mean, no, I don't. I don't remember seeing a lot of these characters move past this, but I was kind of surprised at. Well, here it is. So we've got uh, we we've got obviously Gosling went on to have a career. We've got uh, sure. Donald Faison, aka Turk. Um, but Ryan Hurst, Gary Bertier, w- later went on to star 
in Sons of Anarchy as uh, what's his freaking name? Opie. Yeah, and I, I and I know you were expecting a bigger rise out of me, and but I, I've not actually seen Sons of Anarchy, so I can't I can't back you up on this one. All right, that's pretty devastating, but also devastating because <laughs> there's a, there's like a fifty percent chance I said his name, or that might not be his name, but he's a pretty main character in Sons of Anarchy, but he's all bearded up, so you you don't recognize him as much. All right, Mike, first episode here. But before we wrap this up, any final thoughts? Any final takeaways from Remember the Titans? Uh, no, other than the fact that Louis was the glue of the team, um, Turk was an embarrassment, as was Ryan Gosling. Um, Coach Yost crushed it. Cheryl, MVP of the performance. Uh, but this was fun. Looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll kind of tone it in a little bit as we go. Um, we got a lot of great uh, sports movies coming up to kind of talk about. All right. Before we go, what do you got to plug? Plug your band. Plug your work. Plug anything, baby. Where can people find you on Twitter? Are you on, are you on MySpace? And we're... Stewed by hot ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, everybody plugs. This is a podcast staple, my man. Hey, I just want to thank all of our sponsors for getting at us. Uh, I want to thank um, I want to thank the three people that stuck with us to the end of the podcast. Two of those three being Mike and myself, who are listening to this right now. I, I, uh, I'm not listening to this. <laughs> But that was our review of Remember the Titans. We'll clean it up a little bit in the future. We'll begin back at you. Um, If you have any suggestions for movies, we don't yet have an Instagram or email set up, but we will soon, baby. Until next time, this is... What's our next movie, Tommy? Are we doing Mighty Ducks? uh, Next movie, uh, I believe... I'm down to do Mighty Ducks. I have a few guest people who are super interested in doing Mighty Ducks, so that might be a... We might have a lot of people on that one. Uh, I've got a couple buddies that want to do Rudy. Um, so I'd say we could hit Mighty Ducks, maybe maybe get some Space Jam going soon. Uh, but I don't know. We'll keep the people we'll keep the people guessing. Maybe until next time, keep it classy. This is Varsity Views.